Oftentimes, I think the scariest decision can be the one that's actually just quitting or ending something. I think starting something is honestly can, can be easier because you're excited about this, knowing, okay, this is this current path needs reworking. Do I keep the business running and try to work out my own shit on the side? Or do I just do a hard stop? And, and I just decided I need to take like a hard pause. Welcome to the podcast. You're about to hear a conversation that I really enjoyed recording. It's with my friend, Melina Peterson. She lives in New York and that's where we met, but she came to visit and we recorded an episode. She's come to visit a couple times, which you'll hear us talk about in this. And this time we got out the microphones and sat down and that's the conversation you're about to hear. She's in a really interesting point in her career, in her life. She just turned 30 and she's taking a career sabbatical. And we talk about how we've both been pivoting our work and navigating all of it. You'll you'll hear. And we also talk about something that I think about a lot, which is being cool and being warm and the anxiety and self-acceptance of wanting to appear effortless yet that taking effort and that's something that we had some really good conversations on and I wanted to try to recreate one of them here and so we sort of did that I, I read some well you'll hear here is my conversation with Melina Peterson stick around at the end if you want to know an announcement How are you? I'm good. We have been hanging out for the last uh, 40, no. This year, I feel like we got much closer because you came to visit and stayed with me. Yeah. Which was really cool. We would, we've seen each other since. We would have dinner and we'd meet and chat and catch up for like yeah. an hour. Or no, you know, two, three hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you came all the way to the west side. I came to the west side. <laughs> And then we sat in your car, in my car, yes. when I dropped you off and you did my astrology chart. Yes. Which is an honor and a privilege. Mm-hmm. I left New York in 2020 and we were, we were, we were friends. Like we were definitely yeah. friends, but we were not that, that close. Yeah. And this is kind of funny. What I always think about when I think of you, like we essentially met because, or before we really met, we would run into each other. All the time with our boyfriends. Yes. Who like kind of, we sort of looked alike, like matching. We don't look, none of us look alike each other. Yeah. But I think we just similar like clothing sort of that we just looked like we fit. We looked like we should be couple friends. We were like on a permanent double date that was never planned. (laughs) And then we, we, but we met through the no longer existing co-working space. (laughs) R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, an unnamed, um, no longer existing co-working space that people can easily figure out what we're talking about. Yeah. Especially with what I'm about to say. It was all women identifying people. Yes. 
except this one day where they had Father's Day. Oh my party. god! <laughs> and not and we didn't invite our fathers who didn't live in New York, but we both brought our boyfriends. Yeah, to the double date, <laughs> <laughs> and we ran into each other there on Father's Day, oh and it was all gosh. these like fathers and daughters taking photos, and it was us and our boyfriends. Who and were we also didn't age. plan to meet each other mm-hmm. there. That's right. Yeah. That was my favorite run-in of all oh of the Oh my gosh, run-ins. I forgot about that. Because your current boyfriend lives in the neighborhood that I used to live in, mm-hmm. which or, is the East yeah, Village. yeah, yeah, lived. lived. You guys were neighbors. Yeah, and that, I think that was really why. Because every time I'd be like, can you believe it? We saw him again. And no, I, but I would see you in the West Village too. True. Yeah, yeah. it was which not just there. Which is a whole thing I feel like I need to get into. Okay. With my running into people that I meant to be. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's. Let's get let's get there. Yeah. But I just wanted to start with something com- kind of unrelated yeah. to that, which I, we're going to go. We're going to get right into synchronicities. We're, I, I can I'd want to hear that, too. But briefly in our well, what I was going to say, this is something that came up in our full on sleepover pillow talk. I live in a studio apartment. I'm looking at Melina's bed right now because <laughs> I'm looking at the entirety of the apartment because I can see it in one view. And it's beautiful. But because of that, we're together the entirety of your your trip when you come here. And what's cool about it is I think I feel closer to you this year than I did in us keeping in touch since because we would have these little dinners and we would catch up and I would you would basically just like give me your updates. I would give you my updates and then we would text and talk a little bit here and there until the next time we saw each other yeah. and we would do it again. And I think we only kind of got so far in that. Yeah. And and I actually feel like that's an interesting thing about making friends as an adult is that you don't oftentimes get those concentrated periods with people later in life. Like those are experiences that you have with college roommates or, you know, friends from high school. And so you're one of the few friends that I've made as an adult where you're able to like, we, I feel like we've created that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's normal, like get togethers and dinners. I mean, they're good to like sustain a friendship, but it's really hard to build something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess what I was starting to say about us meeting in New York and then not being that close, but then now three years later, we are closer than we mm-hmm. were even back then. But I was thinking it could have very easily, we could have very easily just stopped being friends because we would not run into each other. We would not have in-person hangs often or ever. Yeah. But we like, it's kind of wild. Yeah, we stuck. Well, it's it's not even like we stuck it out, but I just think, I feel like people come into your life at certain times or, or there's, you know, you're in someone's orbit for a certain amount of time and you're not fully close and then just the circumstances change and the, the, I don't know, environment is set up where maybe it's meant your friendship is meant to blossom at a certain point. Like I've had, I've had friendships kind of take that turn, but this one has, has felt. Oh yeah. I've had that. So many friendships take that turn of, of, you know, you have your friend in class Mm -hmm. and you are so happy you have them or that friend from that one job, but you don't keep in touch. And if you saw them on the street, you'd be like, Oh, cool. How are you? Like, tell me everything, but you wouldn't or just so many of them that you thought you would keep attention, you just don't. Or even like people I probably don't even remember that I had a connection with or, and I mean, I'm really 
kind of explaining the cliche of like people come into your life for a reason or yeah, season yeah, yeah. or a lifetime. <laughs> but it is funny to know the ones that are seasonal and the ones that stay like who knew? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think, okay, so to that point in what I want to, I want to read, I'm going to be reading us something. So, you know, pray for us that I can <laughs> do this in one take. <laughs> Things really blossomed like that visit and <laughs> yeah. sense. And then we, you know, I think when you yeah. have that concentrated time with someone, would you, with, as an adult, you can get mostly traveling, I think, if you... Yeah, that's true. Or in a work situation where you're spending a lot of time together, mm-hmm. even if it's challenging. Yeah. I think that can kind Trauma of... Trauma bonding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have a work wife from each previous job. Right. Exactly. That... So, we were coming to town and I was like, happy to see you, of course, but I was kind of... I was just really kind of going through it and... The, yeah. and I was overwhelmed to be, you know, it's a, that's a whole nother, that yeah, could be yeah, a whole yeah. nother fight. But I, you know, I was just like, yes, I want to see you, but if, you know, I don't know. And like, oh, somebody, it, again, it's a studio apartment. Yeah. So it's like, you have to feel kind of close to somebody yeah. or at least that I'm going to be, I didn't know how I was going to go. You know, I really didn't. And it exceeded expectations. <laughs> and I think one of the things that like, you're just very chill and down for anything and I felt very comfortable around you to be in my small space with me Same. and go to my spots. And I was just kind of like, this is where it is. This is what I, where I live. Like, I don't know. There's nowhere to hide. And then you and I, you were very independent. And like, I'm going to go to yoga. I'm going to, like, we did our alone time. We It just worked really well. Mm-hmm. And then the time we did spend together, we just talked and talked and talked. We would yes. make these like grand plans of like, we're going to leave at eight. <laughs> and neither of us were holding each other accountable. Uh-huh. We quickly realized. Yeah. And so I think what I'm about to read is the gone girl, Gillian Flynn, cool girl monologue. Do you know this monologue? I don't. I have heard of it. From me. From you. <laughs> right. So I think at one of those so we're taking a long time to leave. We're like talking about getting ready. We're talking about our skin and our, our, you know, we're, we're just two people in our, our thirties <laughs> talking <laughs> about, <laughs> I know. We also walked through a campus last time and Melina um, cried when we saw it. Yeah. Full, full tears seeing 21 year olds. I get it. I know. I know. We're, it's, it's, I don't know how this happened to me, how I got to this age. Yeah. I, same. <laughs> Anyway, in one of these late night pillow talk conversations, we somehow were talking about this gone girl, cool girl. I brought it up to you. Do you remember why or like what we were talking about? We were, I feel like it was related to us trying to leave the house and we were both like doing our makeup and I realized, and I haven't often met someone who takes just as long to get ready as I do. And so I think that like, I just didn't, usually I'm the one who's holding people up and I don't even try to get, like, I'm not trying to put in the effort. I mean, I am, but it just takes me a long time yeah, and to we're do not, the things. Yeah, we, uh, if, again, if you looked at us, it would look like we <laughs> are not wearing makeup. We don't have anything. We are a mess. <laughs> we're wearing our, well, you look incredible, but you're wearing <laughs> this entirely vintage outfit that was mostly your mom's and you have a knack yeah. for finding the most perfect vintage Wranglers and Levi's and uh, <laughs> vintage jeans of any variety. Very cool. But you don't look like when someone would say traditionally they take a long time to get ready. I would 
hear that and I would think lots of makeup, lots of bright colors, like lots of, and here we are. And I, yeah. and same, like I am constantly like, you know, look, I, I don't know how to explain, but I think people know they've seen us. <laughs> we don't, it, it looks effortless. And this is where it came up. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Because I have this whole thing of like, I want to be an effortless person who just rolls out of bed and like, this is what I'm like. And I just toss this on. And that's what I'm going for. Yet, yes. It takes me like, and this is the thing I try to hide and I never want everyone to know, but I'm putting it here. It's that I changed my outfit like, three times oh no not these jeans and I put and that's what takes so long it's the indecision it's like oh wait no I'm gonna actually I need to like work I'm gonna actually let me put more witch hazel and I have you know it's just I'm slow and that is like a whole broader issue but what we're we just I felt very safe to be myself around you and I wasn't by the fact that yeah we we're going for the natural girl look effortless the effortless look but it takes this effort. It, ta- it is by nature not effortless. And and I've never been the person that is effortless. Yeah. I even think about like, I'll go to workout classes with friends. And let's say we're going to dinner afterwards. And I will be trying to get ready so like at warp speed or what I think is warp speed. And I am still, I'm literally the last person to leave a yoga studio just because I don't know, like I, I take a while to put my regular clothes on. I, I can't I no, describe I'm the it. Same way. But yeah, I felt and I've always been, I've always been very embarrassed by that. Yeah, I'm not even embarrassed, but I just didn't feel like anyone had that same experience. Maybe I felt perplexed uh, because yeah. I would just wonder how everyone else was doing it so quickly uh-huh. with the same result at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I I think I have this perception that effortless is cool. Not trying is cool. We talked about it on the show many times. Like I remember speaking about this with Nada Alec about her book, Bad Thoughts. And she was talking about how hard she worked on the promotion of that. And like how she really wanted to be honest about that of like, yeah, I tried really hard. And I and that's and she wanted to tell that because I think so many people can look at it and be like, oh, she did. How did that happen to her? She didn't even. And she's like, no, I try. I sent the emails. I tried. I showed up. And I think that's really good because, and she said, she said this, we were talking about in the context of social media. And she's like, it is cooler to not try. It is cooler to pretend like you just threw it up there. It is cooler. It's not a good thing to do if you want to share your new book that you wrote that you want people to see, you know? And so I think it's sort of the same thing where like in music, like slacker culture of like selling out or trying, you know, I think there's something that's very off-putting to me wanting to be cool Mm -hmm. when really in, in associating effortlessness with coolness. And if I try, that's like what my mom did, you know, like trying, my mom was always like took a really long time to leave and, and always, you know, was, got herself together and that was so uncool that I wanted to like not wear makeup and just roll out of bed and Mm -hmm. I'm like oh fuck that's not me though yeah (laughs) I think it's just I'm stuck here I want to just like be the one that doesn't have weird modifications to my order at a restaurant and doesn't ask for things on the side and doesn't like worry about what type of seat I'm sitting in and the environment and all the things but I just that's just not me yeah, and like I'm those particular. and those ones <laughs> I don't really have. Yeah. But I have a bunch of other ones and we all kind of and I think it's it's better to lean into whatever they are at this point in our lives <laughs> than try to pretend to be anything else. 
And that's basically what I think, if I remember correctly, because I've actually read this in a very long time, but I think this is a little bit what this monologue is about because essentially, have you seen Gone Girl or read the book? No. Do you know what it's about? Yeah. Well, yes. No. <laughs> well, I don't either. I should, I should, I we should know this. It. But basically, it's about someone who, well, here, let's see if I can get us a, a better definition, like a, a tight synopsis, because me trying to give us a synopsis of this, we'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> I get confused between that and Girl on the Train. They, I know that when you say it, I'm going to know. I, it's just in the back of my memory. Okay, ready? I'm going to do this in a dramatized way. <laughs> Former New York-based writer Nick, played by Ben Affleck, and his glamorous wife Amy present a portrait of a blissful marriage to the public. However, when Amy goes missing on the couple's fifth wedding anniversary, Nick becomes the prime suspect in her disappearance. The resulting police pressure and media frenzy caused the Dunes' image of a happy union to crumble, leading to tantalizing questions about who Nick and Amy truly are. And drama Ooh. ensues. 2014. It's, it's a um, David Fincher movie, but it's adapted from this book by Gillian Flynn, who also wrote the screenplay. And I know that because I'm reading it from a computer screen from our research department right now. And it turns out I am also the research department, actually. But the novel was published in, in 2012. And this, so there's basically this monologue where Amy is, she's driving and it doesn't really matter where this is, but it's essentially, well, I'll just read it and then I'll, I'll go from there. But as we were kind of having this conversation about effortlessness and trying and, and then I guess I had listened to some, I guess we were talking about pick, pick being a pick me energy person, oh, of yeah. like trying hard and how that relates. But we were just kind of stewing on this stuff, mm -hmm. I guess. And I really wanted to read you this and we, and I never did. So I'm going to do it right now and we'll discuss as a group. <laughs> She's a cool girl. Men always say that as a defining compliment, don't they? Being a cool girl means I am hot, brilliant, funny, and a woman who adores Football, poker, dirty jokes, and burping, who plays video games, drinks cheap beer, loves threesomes, and jams hot dogs and hamburgers into her mouth like she's hosting the world's biggest culinary gangbang while somehow maintaining a size two. Because cool girls are, above all, hot. Hot and understanding. Cool girls never get angry. They only smile in a loving manner and let their men do whatever they want. Go ahead. Shit on me. I don't mind. I'm the cool girl. Men actually think this girl exists. Maybe they're fooled because so many women are willing to pretend to be this cool girl. For a long time, cool girl offended me. I used to see men, friends, coworkers, strangers, giddy over awful pretender women. And I'd want to sit these men down and calmly say, you are not dating a woman. You are dating a woman who has watched too many movies written by socially awkward men who'd like to believe that this kind of woman exists and they might kiss them. I'd want to grab the poor guy by his lapels or messenger bag and say, 
that bitch doesn't love chili dogs that much. No one loves chili dogs that much. And the cool girls are even more pathetic. They're not even pretending to be the woman they want to be. They're pretending to be the woman a man wants them to be. Oh, and if you're not a cool girl, I beg you not to believe that your man doesn't want the cool girl. It might be a slightly different version. Maybe he's a vegetarian. So the cool girl loves Satan and is great with dogs. Or maybe he's a hipster artist. So a cool girl is tattooed and a nerd who loves comics. There are variations to the window dressing, but believe me, he wants cool girl who is basically the girl who likes every fucking thing that he likes and doesn't complain. How do you know you're not cool girl? Because he says things like, I like strong women. If he says that to you, he will at some point fuck somebody else because I like strong women is code for I hate strong women. (laughs) So that's the cool girl definition. Oh my gosh. Which isn't exactly necessarily related to what we were saying with the effortlessness. But I think the reason why I thought of it in the terms of this conversation is because I do think there is some sort of like male gaze around effortlessness Mm -hmm. and trying being uncool that this, I just think that's brilliant. And I really love that monologue. But I also think there's some truth to it in the sense of like, I don't think the cool girl in this definition would be someone who tries, you know, they are someone who gets out quick and just, yes, right? Totally. How and did that I, land with you? Yeah. Well, no, I, and I think that I feel like the, the concept of the cool girl probably starts from the connection with the male gaze and, you know, a woman in relation to a man. But I do think that what it has developed into is women also looking at other women and, almost applying the same standards and this can apply to, you know, something as simple as right. Like the way that you present the way that your makeup looks, you know, how you, you know, get ready for the day. But then I also think it, it applies to professional success, starting a business, you know, being an entrepreneur, all these things that it, it feels inherently, cool or at least has in the past to feel like these things are just coming to you and happening and the there isn't effort required. And I think that like when you really pull the the curtain behind all the effort that it takes to do just about anything, um, it just, it, it, it doesn't, it's not in line with that effortless kind of expectation. So. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, even, even like how people, criticize Taylor Swift for being calculated. Right. It's like that's calculated is another, it's like a business word for trying long-term, you know what I mean? (laughs) And that is that, does that have to be bad? I mean, yeah, I I don't, I don't know. Well, okay. I'm going to read you one more quote, not from Gone Girl. This is from, um, do you know this book called, I think it's called, um, Midnight, it has the word midnight in it. I don't actually know the book, but it's from Matt Haig. Do you know him, the Mm -hmm. writer? Anyway, I'm going to read this quote because it's kind of the opposite. He says, never be cool. Never try to be cool. Never worry what cool people think. Head for the warm people. Life is warmth. You'll be cool when you're dead. Yes. 
I know. It's so it's so earnest. Yeah, you know, know, and uncool. It. It's I so un- it. that is it. the most uncool <laughs> that's, quote. That's the one that we love though. <laughs> so so what do you think about all like I guess the self-awareness is sort of cool to be able is neat yeah. <laughs> to be able to move to self-acceptance even to just be like this is how I am like clocking it in ourselves mm-hmm. and then deciding to try to find some self-acceptance around it or do we change to be cool which I don't even think is an option yeah well I feel like when I'm kind of coming to terms with and I think really this past year have started to put into practice more is is that self-acceptance of, you know, I do have certain sensitivities. I do, I don't necessarily operate in the ways that, you know, the quote unquote, let's say cool girl definition or effortless person would. Um, Even things like, I feel like it's, you know, cool to be able to go to a big party and feel super at ease and, you know, move, move effortlessly, you know, through social dynamics. And those are things that I've started to realize, you know, that is actually gives me anxiety. And and those are not things that, um, that I don't know, light me up. And I think in that self-acceptance, I'm, I'm just starting to realize what feels good for me mm-hmm. and, that a lot of those things are, you know, probably in direct opposition to that, like, cool girl archetype. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's just felt better. It, it has been a, a means of more, like, self-acceptance and just, I guess, peace. Yeah. Yeah. I think any time that we can know what we need – and then be confident enough to try to make that happen, be it ordering the thing that you want to order mm-hmm. or asking for more time when you need more time or asking for alone time when you're in a relationship and you need some alone time or whatever it is. I think that is actively going against at least the the monologue gone girl definition of cool girl that I read because mm-hmm. what 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 she's really saying what Gillian Flynn is saying is like you're conforming to a standard of existing an archetype mm-hmm. that is not you you are pretending yeah. because you're people pleasing essentially you're wanting to be like I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about the narrative method. I am incredibly grateful that I get to work with an organization, a nonprofit that is so incredibly aligned to my values and what I've been trying to do with Let It Out for the last 10 years. It is goofy how perfect a fit this partnership is is because we have this shared spirit for using creative expression to build human connection and that's what the narrative method is about sherry the founder is going to be coming on the podcast soon and the whole reason i know her and the whole reason i know the narrative method is that my really good friend my neighbor micah 
works with them and they do incredible work. We all feel lonely sometimes. I do, you know, somewhat often. And one of my friends, Micah, like I said, he runs this amazing nonprofit that addresses this loneliness epidemic we find ourselves in. It's called the Narrative Method and I love to attend their free online salons. There's creative writing, conversation, and best of all, connection with other people. And I, like I said, I recently got to meet the punk rock singer turned psychotherapist, Sherry, who created this model and she's incredible. Just a little bit more like concrete information about it. It is a nonprofit, it's proven, it's science backed, and it's this methodology that's rooted in the narrative methods, 12 core concepts. So they've been doing this for a long time. In 2024, they're going to be celebrating 10 years of outreach and impact and they've done thousands and thousands of workshops to date and they've touched over 30,000 participants in their in-person events and in their online events and right now go ahead and visit the calendar page of the narrativemethod.org to sign up for a free writing salon again that's the narrativemethod.org to sign up for a free writing salon or you can sign up for a free conversation salon at the narrativemethod.org and i will just leave you with 98% of the participants self-reported profound increases in empathy and tolerance. And it's a really wonderful organization that creates so much good in the world. You don't need to be a writer to attend. You just need to set aside your judgment, your self-judgment, and come on in with an open mind. Yes. Okay, the people-pleasing thing is really interesting because I've had... Um, a few recent conversations with some girlfriends about people pleasing and and it made me think about do I people please and and I think that what I have realized is I think in beginning to accept my specific needs and the the idiosyncrasies and um, you know my particular requests I would say I've probably moved away from people pleasing it's still a work in progress but it's something that I'm actively trying to be conscious of because I do think that that can like completely derail your own needs, you know, in all aspects of life. But, you know, it's not, it's not an easy task. Yeah. Well, that's great that, that, that you've been doing that. I mean, I think the Barbie movie even a little bit addresses this yeah. in some way in the America Ferreira monologue. 100%. You know, I think there's a lot of, it's, there's a lot of parallels there's a Venn diagram with the one I read and that, you know, I, I, and I think that's really good that you're, I think in some areas of my life, I can, I can say that I've gotten better at just accepting, like, I, you know, I would go to the thing. I just, I don't want to. And so I won't, you yeah. know, or like, but there are other things that like, I just, I'm, oh, I can tell I'm still doing that. And I'm, and then it's even more uncomfortable because I'm aware, you know, mm -hmm. but what helped you with that? You're at a very interesting point in your life. So when I met you, you were, we both were working full-time jobs and we left our full-time jobs to essentially start our own things or continue our own things we were doing on the side. Mm -hmm. And, and now that I'm talking to you years later, you have, have left that. Yeah. And you're on a sabbatical. Yeah, like so, two months in. Is that related at all to the stopping people pleasing and, and 
becoming yes. better at being yourself? Actually, I think that there's been a few things that have helped kind of shift my thinking around it. And I think specifically one, one thing that is coming to mind is, and I guess to, to back up a little bit for context. So when we met, I was working at a bigger agency, you know, working in the social media space. I started my own agency. Um, so this was in what, 2018 mm -hmm. and, you know, was running this kind of boutique agency for the last five years and, you know, fully experienced burnout and, um, Really, it's just been in the, the past few months where I've made this big decision to kind of take a pause, take a step back. And a lot of those things, I think that in order for me to make that decision, I had to recognize what is not feeling in alignment in my body and and what is causing that sort of lack of, of alignment. And a lot of it had to do with like the way that my the way that I'm spending my energy and the way that I'm moving through the world. And so something that really just sort of clicked into place for me um, was actually discovering like my human design. So I've been into, before discovering human design, I've been to, into astrology for the past, I don't know, I guess since my early twenties. And especially I think starting in 2020, went deep into learning birth charts and you're you know. very good at it. Like I <laughs> said, you, you. Did in the car and, and, and I will do impromptu readings mm -hmm. after dinners. And for my um, birthday, you sent me a whole, it was the sweetest birthday present ever. You sent me a voice text of like, what's coming up for me right now. And what it was the eclipse and it was, it was lovely. Oh no. And I'm, yeah, I'm learning transits and, and all of that. And so kind of tangentially related to astrology is human design um, and I know that you've had many human design. How did you experts. get into it? So it was interesting because it came to me kind of through two people, you being one of them. Um, but this past trip that, you know, when we saw each other a few yeah. months ago, right before I left on the trip, I went to this international women's day event where it was kind of a gathering of, you know, I think 20 something, 20 women or so who didn't know each other. I was kind of mentioning astrology just for fun. And one of the women that I connected with that um, we were getting along, she mentioned that she didn't know much about astrology, but that she was actually like had gone down a rabbit hole into human design and was doing a course on it. And I had, he I had heard it before, but you know, when you just hear something totally, and it just doesn't click. And yeah. so I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, log it into the many spiritual and, um, wellness related things that I need to look into. And then a few days later I came to LA and we were having a conversation about, um, I think the burnout I was experiencing this sort of, I was still at the time running my agency. I hadn't made the decision. And I remember you brought up, Oh, I wonder what your, your human oh, design funny. is. I forgot that that was yeah. how you, I forgot about that. And so that was to me, I heard it a second time mm -hmm. and this time it resonated. And I now, have seen through what my human design is. That's actually the way in which I get information. It's mm. like through synchronicity and through my network. And so these were, you know, I'm getting these two sort of pings. And so after we saw each other, I went way deep mm -hmm. into human design. Yeah, like the next week you're sending me voice texts like, so then this and then this. And which one of the people who have been on your podcast did? Because didn't you listen to, because I think I've had I on, think what, I listened five to, or six human design readers um, over the years. Yes. No, maybe, maybe, maybe. 
a couple twice, but I probably done at least five or six episodes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, here, I was like, I I can't even tell you. Here you go. (laughs) Yes. And then you listened to a couple. Yeah. I listened to, um, the one with Victoria Jane. Uh That's probably the most recent one. And then, um, Jenna Zoe, Mm -hmm. I think. Aaron Claire Jones. Um, AC Brown. I think, actually, I feel like I might've listened to all of them. I was consuming human design content. You were down the rabbit hole. Like, uh-huh. crazy <laughs> I mean and that's the thing with me is that I don't like a lot of things uh-huh. like I'm not that interested I don't have varied interests but when I'm when I am super interested in something I go super deep and me too and I realized I mean I knew this about myself but my human design validated this so I'm a projector and my profile is like a I'm a mental projector and for those who are familiar with human design I'm like a four one profile dorks um (laughs) dorks but also thank you i see you um us and so so and again i guess for those who aren't familiar with human design it essentially kind of triangulates multiple um spiritual systems and it sort of creates this map of your body your body graph and it shows your different chakras and some of them are defined or undefined and so well, so so what was interesting was in seeing my my human design graph, it showed that I basically have like almost all of my centers are open. And which that most projectors do, right? Mo- you can have you can be like an energy projector, I think, where you have more defined centers. Mine is I only have two defined centers and then the rest are all open. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I have. I have four divine centers. Oh, oh, and you've got the full line. Okay. What does that mean? Um, I just feel like it means like from your, you've got kind of a direct line of access from inspiration to the way that you're communicating that to your heart. And then below that. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm literally just my Ajna and my throat and everything else is just wide open. Very open. Wow. Okay. So, and, and I guess to kind of caveat all of this, I'm I'm one of those people when it comes to any sort of spiritual system or wellness, um, I don't know, modality that I kind of oscillate between being super pragmatic, based in fact, show me the evidence to, again, going down hours and hours and hours of rabbit holes. But for me, what was super validating was one, it was just like this light bulb moment. It all clicked into pace place where it validated the exact way in which I feel energy and how I don't feel that I experience, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly absorbing other people's energy and I'm so sensitive to my environment. And so that was validating. And then separate from that, um, I then proceeded to read like 50 of my friends charts who I have, already like from like astrology charts to just understand it. Oh, it's cool. And then and it tracked it tracked for everybody for everybody. Wow. So then I was, you know, using my little sample size to say, okay, this can't be, there's gotta be something to this because there's, it, I have enough of a sample size here where if I were to switch those charts, it just, you would know who's, who's who's. Yeah, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't fit if I tried to apply, you know, my friend's chart to, you know, your, um, to to your human design. So all this to say, yeah, yeah. So all this to say, um, that was this moment 
I think that the information came to me when I needed it most. And even if it isn't, um, you know, let's say, let's say none of it is quote unquote real, which I would refute, but let, let's play devil's sure. advocate. Um, it still helped me totally make it kind of find clarity and make a decision and, and realize kind of going back to, I think where we started before yeah. my whole human design tangent was, um, around, you know, feeling like I was not in alignment with my energy and that the information about human design came to me when, you know, I really needed it and it just clicked into place and helped me make a really, really big life decision, mm -hmm. which was to actually close my agency or, you know, put a pause on my, my current career and take this sabbatical. One big thing, the last thing I'll say uh, related to human design was that I felt like I had spent the, the previous four months really pushing and trying to, um, force, it, force, force things to happen for the business. And, you know, the, the past, the previous five years, I had actually like when we when we met and I was leaving my job and I don't I, I'd actually be curious as to what I even said I was doing because I I don't think I had a plan to start an agency. No, I just was like, I need to not work <laughs> my in the in the yeah, corporate world. And totally. I want to kind of explore this creative project, Fifth Floor Walk Up, which was around home decor. And then I also had that's how I set. found you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um so I, I stumbled into it. I stumbled into it and, and it grew and it did incredible. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the clients came through my network and they were again, like related to human design and projectors. It was all sort of inbound invitations and specifically from my network, which is really what's connected to my like four one profile. And, and I realized that I was the, the last, you know, quarter of, of, um, running my business, I was reaching this, this roadblock where I was trying to force my energy, you know, for, force this business on others, or it felt that way. And it, it even connecting with people, I just, um, I just felt this weird block. And so it, it validated all of those feelings. And, um, I think I, I was able to finally just reach this kind of, acceptance mm -hmm. that this is the right decision. And, and oftentimes I think the scariest decision can be the one that's actually just quitting or ending something. I think starting something is honestly can, can be easier because you're excited about this. You want to dive into it, but knowing, okay, this is this current um, path needs, needs reworking. And I had been really struggling with the idea of, do I keep the business running and try to work out my own shit on the side or do I just do a hard stop? And, and I just decided, you know, really after this trip where, where we mm -hmm. saw each other, I need to take like a hard pause. Um, and, and so, so yeah, that has led me to kind of where I'm currently at. Well, I think you were starting to say that even if human design was, bullshit and didn't, yeah. wasn't true and it was all made up and we found that out tomorrow and it was yeah. proven <laughs> in the context of this for you it doesn't matter because it was yeah. useful you know and I think that's kind of these systems at their best it's like I don't know if I believe in 
Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or astrology mm -hmm. or human design or Gene Keys or like any of it. But what I do know for sure is that some of it has been useful to me and people I know. And so part of me is like, I don't, I don't care as long yeah. as it's not causing harm. And there's probably ethical things. And we could talk about that at, again, whole nother podcast. But mm -hmm. like, I think anything that is useful to you, even if you're telling me that you're eating something that like, I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that was, that doesn't resonate with my body, but you're like, it's it. Hell yeah. It's great for me. I love it. I'd be like, cool. Yeah. Sick. Like I hope you have more of it, you know, more sour patch. Kids. Right. Anything that is good, that is useful to us, regardless of how it comes to us, I think is great. And I'm so happy that the conversations we had here and like that, I was able to be a part of planting the human design <laughs> yeah. seed that led to, to this transition for you, because it's been really incredible to watch because it happened like quite quickly, you know, you had been stewing on this for a while. You mm -hmm. were here in March recording this in August and we had spoken once you left a little bit about like the timeline of this. I remember you telling me the day you were going to tell your team. And then when mm -hmm. you did that and the day you told your clients and then very slowly over time, you know, then we were talking about like how you were going to tell this on, you know, publicly or to, yeah. to more people. And then you posted about it in the most beautiful post and I'll link to it so people can see it. But last night at dinner, I was like, how does it feel? And how is the sabbatical going? And, and, and we got into it and it made for such an incredible conversation. And I'm just so happy that all of that happened for you. So tell us a little bit about how it's felt and what has come up for you since. It has been such a interesting and formative two odd months. Um, I think that the big thing for me has been, I, I had this, I had this just sort of, you know, vision that I was going to, you know, you know, like when you go on vacation from a job and you send that last email and you're like, peace out. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm going, you know, to drink my ties on the beach and just yeah. all, all super I happy. Handed in my last final. I am exactly, done. <laughs> exactly. And it's this like this, this kind of wave of relief. So I was expecting that. And what I actually have found, you know, in these early days is it, it has felt very much there, there has not been that huge exhale. Mm -hmm. It's been, a, it, it has been a combination of small exhales, but sort of counterintuitively, at least to, to me, the, the week after I kind of fully closed up shop, mm -hmm. I actually felt more anxious than I ever have. And it's a kind of anxiety that isn't and you know anxiety manifests for everyone differently. So for me, it it will manifest in as kind of like a little pain in my chest. Mm -hmm. um, my mind feels pretty blank. It's not like racing thoughts, but my body is kind of telling me, okay, something is going on, and that it there appears to be a change, and um, and so I've I've really had to lean into listening to my body and and taking those those hints and cues where I may 
mentally feel okay, but I'm feeling these, these anxious feelings, you know, in my body that it's been a forcing function to actually make me slow down and be, be really gentle with myself because, you know, when you're going through the checklist, it seems like, okay, great. Now you can just, you know, chill or relax, but it actually is a huge life change. Mm -hmm. And I think that my body knows better than my mind that this is actually, I think, a bigger shift Mm -hmm. than I even realize. So that has been interesting because it, it's been this balancing act of how do I, you know, find joy in this time um, while also managing, you know, my own mental health and, and well-being. And I know we were kind of talking about this a bit at dinner, but I'm I'm trying to strike this balance of, you know, truly like taking time to have fun mm-hmm. and play and um and and just enjoy things that I yeah. haven't been able to do, you know, especially the last five years running a business with also making sure that I'm actually taking time to pause and just truly leaving time for wide open space. And, and I think that, you know, when I look back at the last, I would say full decade of working and then even before that college, I haven't had any wide open space Honestly, even before college, pretty much ever, you know, maybe since I was like actually a a child before, you know, before you get into the the rounds of extracurriculars and and all the things that, you know, and and being college bound. And and so it's it's kind of disorienting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be honest, to to have this open space. And I think that um, it's bringing up a lot. It's bringing up a lot of feelings and emotions that. I think, you know, we're just kind of dormant and not, you know, just not able to make themselves known while I was working these last 10 years and just really focused on, you know, traditional success and yeah, building because a business. I think that space was occupied. And as soon as you opened up that space, it got occupied by what needed to fill it. Yeah. And you were just distracted. There wasn't space for any of that before. And mm-hmm. then there was space. But I think we need to, I really want to hear, uh, dive into a little bit more about what's been coming up and and how you've been leaning into that. But I think we need a bit more context. And I'm actually excited to hear you say it, even though I saw it happen. But of you kept saying, you know, it's a bigger life shift than even you were necessarily aware of. But I think to understand why, I think I'd love to hear a little bit more about starting the agency and why you were experiencing the burnout that you are. And, you know, I think part of that was reevaluating some of your your values and coming out of COVID like Mm -hmm. so many of us did. But, but I, again, like my perception of you, and I think this is relevant to the start of your agency, but when I met my friend Melina, you were teaching this incredible workshop. <laughs> you were in front of the class at the unnamed yes. co-working space. <laughs> yes. And I came in, I'm pretty sure it was a little bit late. It was like 8 a.m. and I had my notebook and I yes. was like, I raised my student. hand. I was so into it. And I was trying to learn from you. And you were so comfortable speaking and teaching. And then 
I would I met you because I like came up to the teacher after class and like was a teacher's and here we are, you know, and then we like <laughs> yes, got a coffee. Sat next to me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then we and then we and then we like got a coffee maybe the next yeah. week. But anyway, at that time you were working a full time job, as was I, and we were really we really did become talk about like friends in class. We were working through that process together, which mm-hmm. was I, I experienced it in a in a pretty different way, but when we were talking about it last night, I, I brought this up to you. Like I had, a, I experienced a lot of parallels in quitting my job and not having that space that was occupied for six years by something that was a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a big deal when you're doing it, but I was doing my own thing on the side, but it didn't really matter. It was like play because mm-hmm. I had health insurance and money coming in through this company. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about what you left behind this time and I'd love to hear about the difference that you felt of like, because back then, you know, we were navigating you leaving your full-time job. We we're both doing that together. And then you very quickly started this agency and got these huge clients and one after, and I remember you telling me when you got this one particular big client, and I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> it was so cool. And I was so happy for you. And it just grew and grew and grew until you had a proper business with a team and it was this whole bigger thing you weren't just like a freelancer on the side and I don't know if you were expecting that and so I'm curious was it sort of like you wanted to leave your job so much that the corporate job and then you kind of started your own corporate job did it does it feel like that yeah that's interesting well I think in in a sense I I I would say in a sense yes (laughs) the workshop that we met at mm-hmm. that was actually the first time that I was teaching that oh my god had me fooled <laughs> <laughs> I had like done it for clients but um but that was it honestly was so good no but that was actually one of the kind of a formative moment in my path to starting the agency or leaving my job because that kind of spitballed into me teaching at general assembly doing digital marketing and then you know being able to take the leap um but I think in in leaving my the the way I see these two transitions is that I think leaving the corporate world was like phase one, right? That is, um, you know, having the nine to five job. I think maybe people who are graduating now from college have a little bit more of a you know maybe more options or or there's just more of a creative career path, mm-hmm. especially with you know the. The, the way that the internet is now versus, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But it it felt like I was breaking free of the the kind of traditional mold. And I know that that was something that bonded us in the beginning, totally. like you said, was navigating this, this what felt like insurmountable decision that it was this cliff where we were just like, oh my gosh, we're not going to have health insurance. We're not yeah, going to have- Yeah, I was so scared. Yeah, and, and I think that I- we both really needed to make that big decision to leap into the initial unknown yeah. um, to, again, like make room for, you know, what, you know, is it was going to come my way. And so really in what happened was I, I came to the conclusion pretty soon after I started my, um, my traditional agency job that was actually the one that brought me to New York was that, I 
figured out, okay, this, this job actually isn't, you know, what I thought it was, but I'm going to stick it out and I'm learning a lot. Um, but what I realized was that I knew all the other jobs that I could then apply to, to get out of that job. And, you know, it was maybe not working at an agency, but it would be working at a platform like Meta or Pinterest or, you know, one of the social platforms, or it could be working, you know, as a client, um, you know, at, at a brand. And I, and I pretty quickly figured out, I actually don't want those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know what job I did want. And so I did, I just knew I wanted the freedom and flexibility to step out of this, you know, what I like jokingly call like the corporate matrix. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to just give myself a little bit more breathing room to figure out what the, the next step was going to be. And so, um, I, I, was able to kind of slowly build my own little um, freelancing work on the side and reached a point where I felt, I guess, financially, okay, I I feel ready to take that leap. And it is true. Like I, I actually in the beginning was sort of undecided about whether I wanted to, um, I, I didn't, have this vision of building an agency, but I thought, okay, maybe I'll freelance. I have this skill set. And then I also was, was running this, you know, creative fifth floor walk-up site. And for a while, I think in the first few months I was oscillating between like, oh, what do I focus on? What, you know, what's, what's going to be yeah. the, the next thing. And just naturally, you know, the, the clients kind of from my network came my way and I was able to, you know, put the word out that I was, you know, starting this thing. And so it is true. I think like fast forward five years, it, I grew it bit by bit and I just sort of saw what was in front of me and was able to build upon, you know, we get one more client. Okay. Now I need, now I need a new team member. Okay. We get another big client. Now I need two new team members. And so I was kind of like one foot in the, in front of the other, which I think is honestly, the the unsexy reality of like how a lot of businesses are built there's not always this like grand vision but i think you bring up a really good point to go back to your original question is i i do think that you know granted the agency as my agency as i left it was not at a level of like corporate you know setup as the the larger agency that i come from but it actually was starting to feel quite similar in some ways to the, you know, nine to five job that I had left five years prior. And I, I just felt that I needed time and space to figure out what the next thing is. And I knew that, you know, it just wasn't going to come to me while I was working, you know, running the business. And, and so in making the decision to now step into the unknown, which is, you know, a true career break. I only think that I was able to do that because I had had like phase one, which was initially leaving my corporate job. Mm -hmm. And then because I was able to kind of flex that muscle, I'm now stepping into this unknown where I, I guess I have certain, I have sort of like a, a threshold of comfort for the unknown and, I guess you could say it worked out once um, that I, I feel comfortable that this change and this really like pause and sort of wide open space, I hope, and I, I feel 
is going to bring something even, even greater or whatever, you know, is, is meant to be the next step. Um, but yeah, it's long road to get there. <laughs> and all anything it's uncomfortable because it's new. Because, yeah. And I'm starting to remember what we were talking about when you were here because, so I do creative advising with people and as you know, and I think I, got into, uh, got really loose one day and we, when you were leaving. And I think I kind of went into that mode with you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of when I must have said, like, I planned, I, now I'm remembering, I'm like, what's your human design? Let's go. Let's, all right. I think yes. because what people come to me for most with the, in the people, some of them might be listening right now, that I do creative advising with, it's most frequently around this exact thing, which is being at some sort of transitional point, whether it's about to leave a full-time job or about to close a business they started and needing what they really need from me is permission slip, is support, Mm. is, you know, I had somebody who did something creative and really wanted to pivot into something more, esoteric and they were so worried about what people were going to think and cool gets into cool girl territory a little bit yeah yeah yeah. and then there's there was there's a plethora of people i can think of right now who have left their full-time jobs and we're trying to navigate that and like we said there's just a lot of logistics to that 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 when it's the first thing you did out of college have having a full-time job mm-hmm. and you're leaving it, you don't know that you can be okay without that. You yes. just don't, you've never done it. So you don't know. Yeah. And so I've, I've helped, I've held so many people's hands through that because I've done it and I, I know I was okay on the other side. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, there's also like going freelance. I've also advised people creatively who are freelance and they're like, I can't get my stuff done because I'm so afraid about, money and logistics and whatever. And there's also, there's a reality where we have to go between these worlds of like sustaining our lifestyle. That's not in the corporate matrix, as you call Mm -hmm. it, as well as feeling like we have our basic needs met so we can even be creative, you know? And I think your life, and I think maybe this is something that I, I was able to point out with you because what I always say to people I do creative advising with, it's like, I'm not an expert in anything. I don't have the world figured out. I, I, have, I have no, I'm not a therapist. It, the thing that I have, which this is, <laughs> I, am, I, I too am a projector and, mm-hmm. and you were alluding to that. One thing is, is project, and you probably know way more about this than I do now, but <laughs> we're very good at seeing patterns. Yes. And I believe that's why I brought it up to you in the, in the beginning because garbage at seeing patterns in myself, but I'm quite good with people I know and care about. And I've been given the invitation to Mm. show, share my thoughts on something, which you gave me. Yeah. And I was able to clock in you, like going back to the very beginning of our friendship. When I met you, you had fifth floor walk up, which was this creative project. And we were talking about leaving our jobs for you to do this creative project, whatever it was. It wasn't necessarily going to be that, but it was going to be something creative. It's so funny that you mentioned like you're you're reminding me of what I actually felt. You're right. I think I was going to go to to the creative. You didn't know exactly. I didn't know. But but yeah, that was probably I was probably leading with that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, you're someone who's very creative. You're you're very good at style. You have an incredible eye, incredible eye for homeware and in home 
that was related to fifth floor walk up. And then, you know, and then I was, to be honest, like kind of surprised that you not, and, and I wasn't shocked because I literally went to a workshop where I saw you teach it and knew you were very good at it. So I was like, hell yeah. Like she's making money and living started a actual business with huge clients. We won't name, but are like big known people. (laughs) And I was thrilled for you, but I was, I was kind of like, five years later, able to be sitting across from you in LA and be like, hearing how burnt out you were and hearing that you were not into it anymore and being at kind of a similar precipice to myself in in a completely different way. And I think we were both reflecting sort of from that reevaluating our values coming out of COVID and being in a different decade of our lives. You know, some of it was related to that too, but I, Mm -hmm. I think I was sort of hinting with you like creatively, which is again, like that's creative advising. Like I'm not here to help you. I'm not a financial advisor for a reason. You know what I mean? Like I'm only caring about this one. And if I were, I'd probably be like, please do corner light forever. Cause like the other, like, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it was doing well with that. I know what my accountant would say. Right. Exactly. But I, I was able to have that like completely other perspective of like, and I believe that creativity is very related to personal growth, very related to relational happiness, mm-hmm. related to contentment, related to spirituality. Like, I think it's all sort of one thing that's like yeah. a pretty big thing, you know? And I think it's related to financial success can definitely come, but I think it sometimes needs to be separated out or, or going after financial success can be a means to an end to figure out a way to fund it. Just like how actors will take on like two for you, one for me. Like I'm going to do two big movies so I can do this indie movie and get paid nothing, you know? And I think we have to figure out how we want to fund things. Um, But I think that, you know, I put on my creative advisor hat with you with permission. And I think that's, that was something that I was thinking of that you wanted to go in this creative path when we were at that precipice together. And then you, you, didn't as much. And I Mm -hmm. think that might, whatever you end up doing next, I think it's so cool you're doing the sabbatical, which I want to talk about more. But I think I would put my money on it being more in the lens of creativity in some way. Yeah. And the other thing that you said to me after you left, when we were talking about this, I don't know what context this came up, but I think I... Whenever I've been, because again, there's pros and cons to having a full-time job. There's pros and cons to being freelance. And I think I was kind of saying, again, this is like the aging thing too of like, oh, wow, sometimes I feel behind on where I am in my life because I don't have a traditional job where I'm, you know, getting paid consistently or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And... Also, I can, you know, go on a hike at, in the middle of the day yeah. or like, you <laughs> right, know, do, right. do what I want. And there's a real value to that, too. That's not financial, but there's a definitely a, a value to that. And you said to me, I think that you brought up the portrait matrix and you were like, I think your lifestyle is not conducive to that. Can you talk about, well, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I said something like you kind of can't, in my opinion, mm-hmm. go back to the corporate lifestyle. And that's not to say that there's only one trajectory of, okay, once you go, you know, freelance, 
that's, you know, it forever. But I do think that the, the lifestyle that makes you happy and the flexibility, I mean, that you're like one step removed out of the, the confines of what a traditional job would entail. And to kind of like, you've, you know, in a sense expanded out and to then kind of like put yourself back and shape shift to go back into that role. It, it, you know, there might be certain circumstances for maybe not you, but like another person where financial need happens and there's an ebb and flow and you've yeah, got totally. to kind of like opt back in. Could be um, me. Yeah. And that could happen. And you know, who knows, like never say never, maybe, maybe that would happen to me, but, um, there's but now we know too much we know too much i'm like as those words left my mouth i was like it just can't i can't (laughs) right and it's a it's a thing of like again there's nothing wrong with it and who knows i might i actually might i who knows but i do get what you're saying in the sense of like i think you what did you you called it an artist lifestyle of like yeah. Well, I think that I think you actually refer to it as an artist lifestyle. Well, that's, you know, kind of my creative advisor, yeah. Crystal. She said to me, I think you need to I'm so uncomfortable with the word artist, but I kept making she was like, yeah, you you want an artist lifestyle. You're surrounded by a lot of artists. You what you see in them and and crave and look at is what you want in yourself, you know, and mm-hmm. you should identify as an artist. And I was like, well, I, uh, I mean, I think I'm an artist that doesn't make art, you know, like I live <laughs> like an artist, like I fuck around all day with my friends and I'm like taking an inspiration, but what she am I making? She says is she's recording a podcast. <laughs> right. Sure. We can say that's my art, my yeah. body, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh God, cringe. Uncool. <laughs> but again, like whatever it, it, it is what it is. And yeah. I think there's, um, Again, I think this goes back to the the identif- identity thing, which goes back to the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, and I meant to say this when we were talking about the cool thing, I was talking to my friend Isabel a couple years ago about someone I had a crush on. And I remember calling her because it was like a new person that I had. I don't even think I've told you about this person mm-hmm. like, that I was like kind of briefly dating. Mm-hmm. And I just thought he was super cool and whatever. And I call her, I had done something I thought was embarrassing. Like I don't even, I actually do remember what it was, but I won't even tell the story. <laughs> but I call her like early in the morning to be like, what do I, he's just so cool. What do I do? You know, I'm trying to get her take on this, right? Mm-hmm. I needed advice instantly, which I'm not even like that anymore really. But um she w- she said to me, she was like, what was it about him that was so cool? You say that about everybody. Like, what what is what is it that you're like, you think you're so uncool around these people? And I tried to explain. I was like, they just do this and they're so effortless. And, you know, I, I mm-hmm. tried. And she's like, listen, they're not cool. What you perceive as cool is someone who has managed their nervous system mm-hmm. well. And they are comfortable with themselves. That's all you're seeing is that they have managed their nervous system and they're comfortable. And I Wise think, words. yeah, and I think it's true because what is the most attractive quality when someone is not anxious and like, oh my God, what do I do? And I like, I'm so sorry. Like that is people, ple- like that's all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like unresolved stuff and like, yeah, exactly. Reactive and stress. But what is like so attractive to me and I think b- probably because it's not natural to me, but hopefully I'm moving more towards it is 
someone who's just pretty even and mm -hmm. chill and able to like, yep, this is the thing I'm wearing and I'm not messing with my clothes or feel like I should have changed again because this is who I am. And, and actually, I, I actually don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, you know, like that's really attractive. And I think in a work context, living a lifestyle where you can do that and speak up is easier outside of the corporate matrix. Yeah. You kind of have to play a part, not necessarily in a cool girl way, but in a in some sort of a way yeah. where you can do that less, you have to do that less as a, if you're living a, you know, we'll call it an mm -hmm. artist lifestyle. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, as you were saying that it, it's making me realize that a, a big piece of coming to this decision and realizing that it was time for a change and a real break was I felt like I was not managing my nervous system. I felt like I, in some ways, and it's a feeling that I'm not used to, it, it almost felt like I was grasping mm -hmm. at trying to fit into this sort of um, role or um, kind of vision of, you know, a female agency founder building this big business and doing all the things and going to all the events and networking. And as I found myself going to these events and, you know, putting myself out there in that way, I just felt kind of icky and it felt very much um, like not in alignment. And I guess in, in a lot of ways, like very not effortless. And, um, and I just, I, I clocked that and then it's a feeling that um, I actually I, I was getting feelings of insecurity that I haven't felt since I was in college. Mm. And it was, it, it really took kind of took me, I had to take a step back mm -hmm. and it, it was that realization that like, okay, I'm not in alignment and, and we've got to make a change. Um, and then I think to your, to your earlier point about what you were saying around creativity and um, you know, how you sort of are funding an artist lifestyle or, or the, the way in, in which that's set up. I think that there's, um, there's, there's so many different ways to, to go to it and kind of triangulate. And you can, you know, some people, like you said, are, um, you know, two for you, one for me, they're doing things, um, doing projects so that they can then fund things for themselves. And, I had sort of taken the the road of, okay, I'm going to start this agency so that I can have more free time for my creativity and, you know, run fifth floor, walk up on the side, but the money-making machine took over and, you know, maybe there was a purpose for that. I, I definitely think that, that now if I were to just look back, even in slight retrospect, I think the purpose for that was to get me to a place of financial security where I can now take like a bigger step back and really think, okay, what is the next phase? Um, but this could have manifested in a number of different ways. Um, but I think that it, it just took that one specific path for me and who knows what, you know, phase two is, but um, it just kind of reminded me when you mentioned that. Yeah. And I think, Thinking back, I forgot about our impromptu creative advising yeah, session. Me too. I, I think this came up because so much of it is not in our control, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the 
we exist within capitalism. It's not, it's not that surprising that that happened, you know? And I think in any work context, I remember someone saying this to me when I worked my full-time job and I just always wanted to not be working it, you know, it was always a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It was, it was my, you know, two for you. It was the way to fund this thing I'm still doing right now. And I kind of can't believe I am still doing it because when I was working full time, this being the podcast felt so fun. Always. I was always so grateful that I got to do it and that it was just, again, I wasn't getting paid to do it and I'm still not really getting paid to do it. I, but I did get paid to do it for a bit. And now and podcasting has changed. That's a whole another conversation. My, if you are curious about that, my episode with Amelia Ruby part two is like all about that. But basically someone said to me when I was working that job and just con- couldn't really talk about anything other than like wanting to leave and how to leave and how do people, how does one be an entrepreneur? How does one be a freelance? But like I just had no expanders for that. I couldn't conceive I couldn't conceptualize what that would be like for myself. Mm -hmm. So I would talk about it a lot. And somebody said to me, like, someone I look to that I really wanted my career to be like, I remember this person or it was probably like a a coach of mine or a therapist of mine said to me, listen, even that person that you admire and you want to have a career like has to do parts of their job that they don't like. There are spreadsheets that, cause I think I was complaining about a spreadsheet for my corporate job, but yeah. she was like, that person probably also has to do a spreadsheet at some point. Also has to do part of that. Like that, this part that we're doing right now, super fun. Always yeah. loved it. I'm enjoying myself right now. Does not feel like work in any way. Yeah. But the uploading this to Dropbox and putting the show notes together, all of that, like, isn't the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. I can do it. It's pretty easy. It's not that big of a deal, but it's, I don't think it's as fun as this part. I do it because I like doing this part and it's related. And so I think in anything creatively, you have to like the creative part enough to do the kind of annoying parts that go with putting the creative part out and funding it. And I think corner light your agency was a way for you to do that and have more control. But then what lacked was the creative piece. And I think whatever you do next, it will maybe lead with creative and have, but, but again, those skills that you had from corner light, like all of it. And again, the taking off of it, I just think so much of it isn't in our control. And I, there's this Eckhart Tolle, thing where where somebody asked him about manifestation mm-hmm. and he, you know he's all about presence and power of now right and and they were like what do you think about manifestation and he goes who are you to think you know that what you want you know and i i like that in a lot of ways because i think i think clarity is important i think there is something to having that and seeing that and writing it mm-hmm. and feeling it and and gratitude and all that i actually believe that as well but I, but i do think and this comes up a lot in the creativizing i've done with people with friends with myself where the fact that i'm doing this podcast and i'm here with you is like i couldn't have conceived of this i didn't i you know when i worked a full-time job would I have thought in 10 years I would have moved to Los Angeles and I would be 
still doing that same podcast <laughs> and like it would make money and have ads, but then a bunch of celebrities would start doing podcasts and people would know what podcast was. They wouldn't be like, oh, where do I listen? Is that like on my phone? Is they would the know. Yeah, they would know what it was, but suddenly like the ads that you, it used to have would be kind of done because they pushed, you know, like it, I couldn't have conceived of it being this exact thing. I just followed what was coming to me. I just yeah. was swinging at the balls coming at me and so are you. And yeah. it led to corner light. And I think the swinging at the next ball that came out, you was swinging at burnout and swinging at a sabbatical. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, fully. And like, I'm thinking about even the first job that I had out of school, which was working at guest jeans, doing social media. Right. And that was early days of social media where they, you know, I was an intern and I was like responsible for the Instagram. Yeah. That job didn't exist when I was graduating high school. Right. And similarly, definitely the job that, you know, starting a small boutique agency, I mean, maybe in some weird clunky form it existed a decade ago, but, you know, much more in like the traditional ad agency right. and whatnot. And so that that is a really good, I think, reminder uh, for me right now is that it it is you don't know what's coming and especially in yeah. like how quickly the industry and the internet is changing. Um, and you know, just the rapid change that, that we've seen, you know, the, especially I think even since COVID, um, I, I, I'm trusting that something is going to come my way, but, um, it is true. Like I had to kind of swing at sabbatical and break to, I, I want to basically put myself in the best position possible to be able to spot that opportunity and be open to whatever is going to come my way and in, in whatever form it takes. And I, I realized that I needed to, to slow down and press pause in order for me to be in a position for me to catch that you know, mm. next opportunity. And, you know, we're recording this at a very interesting time because I haven't caught that next opportunity. And I'm, I'm in very much the healing from burnout phase incubator, um, incubator. And it's, and the, the healing process is, you know, I'm, I'm realizing very quickly one nonlinear and two, I think will take a lot longer than, you know, my human brain would like it to. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool that you're doing it and you're going against your human brain and you're actually doing it because honestly, you're, you're my hero because <laughs> we, like we talked about this a little bit last night, but you, I mean, the, what we were saying of like, we just were following the next right action. We were just going with what was in front of us. We're, we're both only children, not that that necessarily means anything with this, but we, we have similar experiences, mm -hmm. I think in the sense of like, not that everyone follows the path of their sibling or yeah, has yeah. someone to talk to their, the, the only thing I think only children have that is maybe relevant here is like, we don't have anyone to process our childhood with. Like we have no one to yes. be like, Oh, that was, that was weird. Wasn't it? <laughs> you know, until you go to therapy, well, but you can talk to other only children and process it with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, one of those things was like wanting to have some autonomy and wanting mm -hmm. to, to sustain ourselves. And, and, and a lot of times when, in our case, when the, someone is an only child, a lot, uh, a, 
it's harder to hide from your, you know, your parents, whether they're present or together or not. Like, I think there's this, um, this is maybe neither here nor there, but my, my point is really that I relate in the sense of like what you did working in social media. I similarly, you know, I studied journalism. I thought I wanted to be a TV news reporter. Mm -hmm. Podcasting didn't exist. I got a job working at a healthy snack company because I was really into wellness randomly, basically. And a friend of mine from college sent me a job posting on LinkedIn that I was like, okay, this will let me move to a different <laughs> yeah. place, you know? And then that led me to move to another different place, which was New York. And then let me, and then on the side, I started this pod, like I, podcasting didn't, like we just followed what's ahead of us. And the reason I'm like saying it like this is that was all sort of out of our control. So who, how come I can't believe that if if we're saying that we're graduating from another version of grown-up college, right? <laughs> like whatever we might be doing a year from now might not exist yet. Yeah. Or there might be, you know, a a different avenue that we can swing, a ball we can swing at mm -hmm. that we don't even know yet. And I think that's a really that always helps me, right? Like I feel so different than I did three years ago, which I think so many of us do because we all feel a bit different after 2020. But I feel so far from that person before that, which in some ways sort of scares me at how quickly time moves. But in other ways is, is optimistic in the sense of like, who knows what I could be in three years from yeah. now. And I think that with all of this, the importance of the sabbatical is something that I've never done, which is fully stop and restart, like turning off a computer, not just putting it to sleep. I put it to sleep for a second. I've taken days off by mm -hmm. accident, but I've kind of gotten stuck in this always working, never working loop of I left the full-time job, but I just kept doing everything I was doing on the side. I kept doing everything I'm doing on the side until today, you know, yeah. like I'm still doing it. And, and seeing you do this, which I know is hard because I know you and I know you're, you're like me in so many ways that it would be challenging to actually do it. But I asked you last night, I was like, so you're not working at all. You're not, there's no timeline on this. You're not. And you, of course, you know, financially and like there is yeah, sort yeah. of a timeline, but like you are really not trying to figure out the next thing while you're in the rest, you're just in the rest. And then you will actively figure out the next thing when you do the rest. And yeah. I think that is so admirable and you're doing inner child work and you're processing so much at, at once. And yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe you can just leave us with like anything else that's come up and yeah. that like where, because this is such a time capsule of this because you'll come back soon or who knows maybe yeah. not soon maybe years from now but you'll tell <laughs> yeah. us like what you end up doing yeah and you know maybe we play a little clip back of now so what would you what do you want to say now to your future self once you do figure out the oh next thing and i'll play this back to you oh my gosh that's a lot of pressure hmm i mean who knows, who knows? this operation <laughs> could be gone tomorrow who knows? <laughs> I, I could get hit by a bus in an hour <laughs> no but something that that so you mentioned the inner child work, which yeah. I know that we've talked about, like, uh, again, kind of going to that same theme of just sort of taking a swing at what's in front of you. I didn't necessarily 
I didn't have this grand plan of like, oh, I'm going to take this sabbatical and I'm going to heal my inner child. Right. What what actually has come up is in in this open space, I've been kind of rediscovering my inner child without without having a structure or plan around it. Like just to give an example, you know, I just came back from six weeks in Europe, which was a, a really wild and amazing trip that was planned before I actually planned to take a sabbatical. It was, you know, two good friends of ours, two different couples were getting married in Italy. So my partner and I were were able to to travel and I was closing the business while I was on this trip. And so at the at the end of the trip, you know, I was able to fully unplug and I I was um we were at Lake Garda in Italy and I'm swimming in a lake and I realize as I'm you know swimming in this lake I'm getting crazy flashbacks to me as a, a little girl um you know swimming you know in a swimming pool when I was eight and feeling th- these incredible visceral memories of summertime and it was it wasn't something that i sought out to do but in in having this open space and actually like honestly giving myself time to truly play um which i feel like i've you know spent the last decade trying to just like be grown up and wanting to always be older and now you know in you know starting my 30s and making this big life change i'm almost like wait a second i actually I think I need to go back and revisit like how little Melina is doing. And, and, and that has actually been it, you know, I'm still very much in the process of it, but it, it, it has felt really healing. And, and I've been really revisiting a lot of things, um, especially cause it's summertime right now, things that I used to love as a kid growing up. Like I grew up in orange County. I would, you know, spend summers at the pool, going to the beach. I'm home right now. Um, and I am going to the beach more than I literally have in I, I've gone to the beach more in one week than I did truly an entire decade um, of, of my 20s. So and good. and so that that has just felt so healing and it's not something crazy and I'm not having to shape shift and do this like crazy, you know, wellness routine. I'm literally going back to the basics and I'm just sort of like following what feels good. And and yeah, it it. Play really just feels like the theme, um, at least for right now for the summer. And I'm I'm just trying to sort of lean into that and you know, really see see where that takes me. But um it's exciting. Yeah. It's really exciting. I'm so so happy for you that you're doing this. I Thank think it's you. really important and I and I'm excited to see what comes out of it. And I think yeah, I often say this about like, I have this certain, I think with breakups, right? Like I think I think leaving full-time jobs, is, there's a lot of parallels yeah. with breakups feelings-wise that I've clocked in people that I've worked with in this and myself and mm-hmm. friends. And I think in terms of how we heal I guess is the only word I can think of or how we re re, how we rest and recharge and like it's so much like shutting the computer down you know Mm -hmm. and I think to, to really get the phoenix rising from the ashes 
you have to, I, I often say this, and, and this has been my experience, like in a, in a breakup, right? Like if you just completely go no contact with that person and cut, that's kind of like, it's like you're really taking a sabbatical or a, or a break in that case. Yeah. Like you will heal quicker because you're allowing that to, you're giving it space because like, if we equate it to a body, like if you have a cut and you just leave it alone, it's going to heal quicker than if you're constantly picking at it. Right. Yeah. And I think the picking at it and picking the scab and picking the scab, I think that kind of happens if you're constantly seeing that person and you're constantly mm-hmm. like trying to be friends with them or like getting back together with them or hooking up with them a little bit yeah. and doing just a little bit of, you know? Yeah. And I think if you, we equate that to work, it's similar where it's like, if you leave one thing, but then you're like a little bit working on stuff and you're, you know, let me just do this one client and let mm-hmm. me just, you're never going to heal because you're picking at the scab. So you're not letting it fully heal over and then starting fresh. And you're allowing yourself to like fully heal over and grow back together. And then you can pull yourself apart or do whatever you want to do. And I really commend you for it. Cause I never did that. Right. Like I've constantly gone from, and I've done this in dating context too, as you know. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm like mind blown by this analogy. It now, works. Now I'm going to go back into all my old relationships. And it works. Th- no, it's that. It's so true. They, it tracks for both. It tracks. I know. I've used it before. I didn't come up with it on the spot, but you know what? It does track. Yeah, but I mean, the, the it's the truth of like, I I have experienced this because I I, I remember my friend. Jules was here re-recording and she has the studio Good Move in New York, actually. Do you know her? Mm-mm. Anyway, she um, talked about like having to fully shut everything down and let go and then restart. And yeah, we talked about like this phoenix rising from the ashes. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I think that's my problem. Like I've, I've kind of just been kind of like I've been half in, half out. And I don't think much good can happen from half in and half out. You're just in this Mm -hmm. like in between limbo. I think sometimes taking these big stark statements of, you know, we are breaking up, we are quitting, we are divorcing. We, you know, sometimes there's like real richness on that. There's a dark before the dawn, but people don't want to do it. They want to stay in this in between because it's scary to do the, yeah. the letting go thing because then you're left with space and what happens in space all your shit come oh, up, shit. you know <laughs> yeah. so anyway again and there's like a whole there's a privilege to this there's a backing into this of that course. you did that yeah. like you know you are and that's the other thing too like it could sound like you you know come someone is funding your life or you come from but like you did all this yourself you yeah. backed into this you prepared for this you saved to this it wasn't yeah. like you made the decision when you came to visit and you were like fuck it you know yeah. i have a safety net like it's not yeah, like yeah. you like that's not the case you have like made this happen for yourself and same for me like and i think again even same in a breakup like i don't advise people to like leave your partner tomorrow if right, you live with right. them and you <laughs> yeah. are like emotionally supported by them not even financially but like that's not safe mm-hmm. you know i think all of these phoenix rising from an ashes decisions need to be made with a lot of reverence and a lot yeah. of patience and a lot of waiting for the right timeness and all the creative advising clients that might have be listening to this now are probably nodding their heads because i never advise people to leave their jobs, even if they come to me and they're like, that's what I want to do. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll do that. Like, I don't know when, but yeah. when it's going to feel correct. And that, and for there are two people last week who actually sent me a, a WhatsApp message and they were like, 
I just want to thank you. I'm like in this totally different place. And I worked with them last year and they had yeah. like, I, I actually quit my job this week and we did it, you know, oh but it gosh. was like, we didn't do it in the time together because it right. wasn't correct. And I, you know, I think it's, there's a preparation that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's the, it's the trust that by taking a clean break, right. You're letting in, you know, something even greater, you're making space for something even greater. And the only thing that I can say just from the experience that I've been in right now is the, the, honestly, the biggest turmoil that I felt was in the indecision. And it was when I truly felt stagnant where I was like trying to grasp onto this thing that, you know, felt like it was no longer working and then also feeling like, "Mm, maybe I want to take this break. And I just, I couldn't let go. And that was, that was the worst feeling. Once I finally made that decision, I mean, I'll tell you, it was not easy to then go through all the steps of execute, but, but every single, you know, point of execution and decision and call and meeting that I had was like a little bit more relief, a little bit more relief. Yep. And then honestly, the the biggest point of relief thus far, you know, it wasn't that closing down the laptop and going to the beach and being done. It was actually announcing it mm-hmm. to my network and and sort of making it real to more than just, you know, my existing clients and, and team. Um, but it was that feeling of relief that has validated you know, at least for myself, the feeling that this, it it is the right decision to take a full stop, but it's, you know, it it was a scary one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm so happy you did it. I love you so much. Love you. I I told us we'd keep this at an hour and now we need to have time to (laughs) hang out and honestly go through. I want to show her several items in my closet and see how she'd style them. So we got to go because she's got a yoga class, but (laughs) you'll be back, right? I'll be back. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. We let out a deep breath at the end. So inhale. Let it out. Okay, that was my conversation with Melina Peterson. She's incredible. Follow everything she does. Well, we got to see what her next move's going to be. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be great because she's one of my favorite people to talk to and listen to. And no, I glossed over her fashion sensibilities, but follow her on Instagram and you can see for yourself. Also, it gets a little bit into creative advising, creative consulting territory there with what I do when I work with people. And I actually have two spots open right now. So if you want to know more about what that is, if you already know what it is and you've been considering it, email me or I'll put a link in the show notes, but I have two spots open. So would love to help support you if that is something that feels correct to you. Or if you just want to know more about what it is, the creative clinic is open and the link to learn more in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out the narrative method. I, like I say in the ad, I really truly am honored that they are working with us. So thanks again for being here. If you want to keep in touch in the meantime, before next week's episode, great place to do it is on, well, There's several places, but probably 
I was going to say Substack, but you know what? I send those once a month. So, but I did just send one out. So if you want to read that, the last issue, I'll link it in the show notes. And I, yeah, it's about, I was in Montreal. Now I'm back here. But when I wrote that last newsletter, I was. So if you want to read a little bit about what that was all about for me, there is a place to do it. And I'm, I'm on Instagram some days, some days I'm not, but you know where to find me. And I'll, I'll see you back here next week for a brand new episode. And also Tuesday, you don't even have to wait till Friday, Tuesday, new episode of Spiraling, my co-hosted podcast with Serena Wolf, season five. It's a lot of my voice on the internet, to be honest with you. (laughs) Feel free to pace yourself or skip it altogether. All right. Thank you so much for listening. So grateful. If you liked this episode and want to share it with a friend that helps so much, I, I haven't said this in a while, but leaving reviews really helps too. And it would be so cool if you took the time to do that. If you're listening now and haven't, or, you know, just have a second, it genuinely helps so much. So, all right. Thank you again so much. And I will talk to you next week. This podcast is edited by the incredible Brianna Bain. Early 20s, they were side bangs. I can't do this because I have a cowlick in the middle. Uh, Yeah. But couldn't they just cut to like equate for that? No, but it like, it like the cowlick will make it so that I would never be able to have like normal fringe. It would part in the middle in like on like the side so i did side bangs when i had a side part i see um okay you feel good you ready i feel good all right let's um do it (laughs) okay let's do it okay